This was actually my favorite thing I've seen from Hackett all, all season. So since he was hired, this is my favorite thing I've seen from Hackett. When I saw this tweet from Adam Schefter, I wanted to give Hackett a hug. Yeah, this might surprise some folks, but I'm actually going to sing Nathaniel Hackett's praises here a little bit later in the show. Stay tuned for that. But first and foremost, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. Ryan O'Leary here, along with John Heath of USA Today's Broncos Wire. John, man, how do the sayings go? A win's a win. Just win, baby. I mean, surely, surely we will not be overreacting to an 11-10 Broncos victory, right? They got the W, the 2-1. Yeah, to not quote. you yeah. and I. No, we would never. Never. We would never re- overreact. To quote Broncos center uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, it was ugly, but a win's a win. We can't panic, right? To an extent, that's true. It, like, a win is a win, and, and they're 2-1 and one now, and that's great. And I'm, I can't help but think, like, man, if they hadn't lost that Seahawks game, like, 3-0 and would be real nice shape, and that's really what they should be right now. But it, even though they're 2-1 and one and you feel like they should be 3-0, and oh, you still don't feel great. And, like, the, we'll get to the good news, but start off with the bad news. Like, the offense, again, they've scored, like, one touchdown a game. They're going 3-and-out over and over. They just... They can move the ball to an extent, not so much against 49ers, but the first two weeks they moved up and down the field. They just couldn't get into the – they couldn't punch it in the red zone. And this this game, they couldn't even really move the ball. So Russell Wilson, he seemed like he was a little off a little bit. And, like, Jerry Judy, like, I'm starting to get a little worried about Jerry Judy because his first two seasons, he had the huge excuse that the Broncos didn't have a quarterback. And, and, and I gave him that excuse. I stuck up for him. Yes. I was like, hey, they don't have a quarterback. And, like – I love his route running, and I love his potential. But now it's like, okay, the Broncos do have a quarterback. And yeah, Russell Wilson, his numbers haven't been great, but Cortland Sutton's producing with Russell Wilson, and Sutton's obviously Wilson's favorite target. So he's got a little bit of an advantage. He's going to force that. And Judy also missed or got hurt. So uh, he's still got some excuses. He's coming back from injury and stuff. But uh, at some point, I'm like, man, these drops. They're kind of piling up. Like at some point, it's like, when is Judy going to turn a corner? Like he's in his third season now, and you see, I mean, I guess it's not fair to compare him with Justin Jefferson because he's one of the best in the NFL already. But uh, you see that even like CD Lamb, CD Lamb's not at the level of Justin Jefferson. But I, at this very moment, if you ask a Broncos fan, would you rather have CD Lamb or Jerry Judy? I feel like most would say CD Lamb, at least based on the production. So I, I'm kind of worried about Jerry Judy a little bit, and Wilson. We'll get into this in the good. I'm I'm not as worried about him, but it's still it's like come on guys, this offense it's just not good enough. I think uh, to you know to go back to Lloyd there, Cushenberry. Hell no, Lloyd. It's time to panic when you're watching this offense. I'm panicking. <laughs> I'm panicking, John. I think uh, thankfully uh, Jimmy G. Well, your defense was so good, and Jimmy G. was so bad on the other side that Wilson even had the chance to engineer that late game winning scoring drive, right? To give the Broncos the win 11 to 10. We'll get into that a little bit more, but yeah, you, you just kind of hit on it. We're going to play a little game of good news, bad news to start the show. So obviously you're up for that, right, John? Oh yeah. Okay. So which one do you want first? You want to start with the bad? I feel like that's yeah, where definitely our tone the bad is. Okay. So we can end at a more positive. Note. I like that. Okay. So let's start with the bad. The bad news right now with the Broncos is that the offense is like, you, it's hard to watch. Right? It's hard to watch. And some of the stats are like hard to swallow. Like they were held without a touchdown to the fourth quarter at home for the second straight week. As you kind of mentioned, three and out on eight of their first 11 possessions. Uh, they punted the ball, John. This is one of my favorite stats of the game. They punted the ball 10 times. That means they almost had more punts than points. I don't know how you win a game when that happens. You had 10 punts, 11 points, and you won. How does that happen? So they had like a little bit of luck on their side in this game. And some of that came from 
your own play on defense. Other came from Jimmy G being the quarterback on the other side. God, was he awful, John. Have you ever seen a quarterback step out of bounds for a safety and throw a pick six on the exact same play? Like, we're wondering. We're like, oh, well, how many points not. How many points do the Broncos get on that one? <laughs> like, what, Do they get six or do they get two? Like, oh, my God, crazy. But so some of the stats are not flattering. We know that. Let's start with your let's let's massage this this point a little bit you just made with Jerry Judy, right? You catch two of your six targets for 17 yards in this game, and then you go on Twitter and beef with Shannon Sharp. Like what what's going on with Jerry Judy, right? I mean, I just wish he would stop yelling at Shannon Sharp and telling Shannon Sharp his breath smells on Twitter and catch more footballs, right? Because I think the struggling Broncos offense could really use Jerry Judy catching more footballs and making more plays, John. Yeah, I think he's frustrated, understandably so. And I think Shannon Sharp was the subject of that anger. I, I think when you're like in a slump and you're angry, you got to try to stay off Twitter a little bit because he probably saw that from searching his name. And it's like, just, just, just stay away from Twitter when you're not in a good spot because one, people aren't going to be saying good things. And two, clearly you should be focusing on getting right on the field. And then, I, I don't know, some players don't even like to be on Twitter when they are playing well because they don't want people to pump them up. But I, I just, like I said, Judy, he's got to, it's got to start, like we know the potential, but he's got to put it into action now. And like I said, he, he still has a little bit of an excuse because he is coming off that injury. So maybe that wasn't a totally fair game, but like, this coming week and certainly this coming season, like the rest of the season, if Jerry Judy doesn't turn into Jerry Judy first round draft pick, who the Broncos hope you would be like, we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, we're not going to pick up his fifth year option. And no, we're not going to extend him after his fourth year because the potential is there. The route running is amazing, but the hands haven't been great. The production hasn't been good. The injuries have been concerning. So like, again, not to, try to be too alarmist but he's just and like also I don't want to dump it I don't want to act like it's all Jared Judy's fault because the offensive struggles are not all his fault but he's a high profile guy a first round draft pick someone you want to see more from it the offensive woes are not all on him but he's just he's part of it and it's just it's just kind of alarming and, and like I said Wilson too he wants it that good but Cortland Sutton he's producing good numbers and playing great even though Wilson has not been fantastic so clearly you can produce with Wilson as your quarterback and Judy's got to start doing it yeah I think bad news for the Broncos that Judy is still not quite taking that turn right we've been waiting for it for years John it hasn't happened it can't just be Cortland Sutton out there we need Jerry Judy to be great and we think he's got it in him we just got to see it so I think that's bad news right now for the Broncos I'm going to throw one more uh, thing that I consider bad news for the Broncos, John. I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but uh, Melvin Gordon's snap counts is <laughs> starting to worry. I think that's bad news for the Broncos. And just a quick disclaimer for those listening and rolling their eyes, I do not have Javante Williams on any of my fantasy teams this year, right? Good thing, because I'd be really pissed that Melvin Gordon's playing almost the same amount of snaps. But, uh, you know, it's been interesting. Like week one, Javante outsnapped Melvin Gordon 38 to 27. Week two, it was more egregious. It was 47 23 in snaps in favor of Williams. In week three here, this past week, 33 to 28. So almost 50 50 split. For some reason, Melvin Gordon is creeping back into our lives, John. He's more than just the running back two, right? It's more like running back 1A, run B type deal. He was on the field so much, and I know he got the touchdown. So thank God they finally, John. Kudos to the Broncos. They didn't go in the shotgun on the one yard line. They, they went <laughs> yeah. heavy and they handed it off, and Melvin Gordon scored. So give that to him. But he still only had 12 carries for 26 yards, 
right? Like it wasn't like he was out there doing great. He fumbled inside his own tent. Thank God the freaking quarterback jumped on that. That could have screwed up the whole game. So this is perplexing to me. Like I kept checking, like I was like, I was checking my phone during the game. I'm like, did Javante Williams get hurt? Like, why is he not on the field? Uh, and I just think Javante Williams is a freaking weapon and they're not really using him and the offense is struggling. And it's just like, make it make sense, you know? So I think bad news, Melvin Gordon creeping back into our lives. I think that's bad news. Yeah, I, I also would like to see more involvement for Javante Williams. I think the main thing is they just, they want it to be kind of balanced and they want to keep both guys fresh. And for me, what got to me was late in the game, how heavy involved Melvin Gordon was late in the game. And like you said, he, he had a terrible yards per carry average. And I'm like, Javante Williams, he breaks so many tackles. He's averaging like five yards a carry. Like, why is Javante Williams not in the game right now? And I think part of it was they really like Melvin Gordon as a pass blocker. And Williams, I don't think, is bad in pass protection. But I think Gordon's pretty good at it. And when they get down at the goal line, I guess I'm not too mad about that because Melvin Gordon has a great uh, goal-to-go touchdown percentage and Williams like I can't be like well I hate how much Melvin Gordon fumbles so that's the reason I put in Williams when Williams just fumbled at the goal line a couple weeks ago so I feel like the fumble I can't get too worked up about because Williams did the same thing and I think the coaches like his pass blocking I think they like his nose for the end zone but I I agree in general especially when it's not like a, a passing or even in passing situations like yeah maybe he's not quite as good of a pass blocker but just Wilson dumping him off to him in the flat. We've seen that so many times through three games yep. where Wilson just dumped it down to him and Williams is at the line of scrimmage or even behind line of scrimmage. And he gets like six, seven yards without fail. He like always makes the first guy miss. And sometimes he can make a second or a third guy miss. He's just so hard to tackle and he's so elusive. So I'm with you that I, I want to see Williams get more involvement. And Gordon is not a bad back. It's just Williams is so much more explosive. So, I'm with you there, but I think I kind of understand a little bit why they want to keep Gordon involved, but I agree. It it shouldn't be to the extent that he has been or is this last week. Yeah, Javante Williams on a little catch out of the backfield set up Nathaniel Hackett's 64-yard field goal. (laughs) You remember? That was a nice (laughs) play. No, no, not to do that. More on the coach here coming up in just a little bit. Um, All right, let's do the good news. We won't spend a ton of time on this, John, because who wants to talk about good news with the Broncos, right? But the good news is you're on top of the AFC West along with the Chiefs because Everybody in the division lost last week. So while the Broncos, I mean, it felt like they lost because they looked so bad out there. Uh, they actually won, and they're actually, they're not only 2-1, and one, but they're tied with the Chiefs on top of the division. So how about that? Once they do actually figure it out, I hope, maybe we'll have a season and we'll be able to make a run here. We'll definitely take yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Like, just imagine if the offense does work out the kinks, and if they get things going a little bit, like, after week one and even week two, how bad the offense was, I was like, man, they're not going to compete for the AFC West. But now, like, they're tied, and maybe I'm too wishy-washy, but I'm like, man, they they have a chance in the division. They just got to get this offense sorted out. And it seems like a lot of it is correctable stuff. Like, that's good news. The bad news is how bad the offense is. The good news is that it's a self-inflicted, and that's good news because you can fix that. Like, the dumb false start penalty, you can fix that. Drops, like, in theory, hopefully – you can fix that. Like hopefully Judy's hands get better. And some of, some of the other receivers and tight ends have had some drops as well. And like the, the false starts penalties or excuse me, the delay of game penalties that didn't happen on Sunday. So that was a huge improvement from the first two weeks. I thought they got the plays in better. The offense was more smooth at once. And it's discombobulated. Like they had a bunch of three and outs, but it seemed like the plays were getting in, they were getting up to the line and that just the 
game flow was better. Like the results weren't better, but they got the flow more down. And, and now like if we get the execution down, like don't commit a penalty that puts you in third and long. Don't drop a ball that could have been a touchdown or at least like a 30-yard game. So I think that's good news that the offense, yeah, doesn't look good, but it's things that we think can get better. And like, again, they didn't have a preseason together. This is a brand new offense for them. This is a brand new quarterback for them. So they're, they work like if this was preseason, that would have been their final preseason game had the starters played all of them. So I, I think they're still working out the kinks. I think it'll get better as time goes on. I, I mean, I hope I do. Like maybe I'm too optimistic to say I think that it will because we haven't really seen it too, too much for three weeks, but I think it can. And also like good news on the defensive side, the defense was so good. Like I was a little worried. We talked about at the beginning of the season. I was worried a, a, a little bit, like not a ton, but I was like, with Vic Fangio not running this defense, are they going to take a big step back? And it's a little bit of a caveat because they haven't played, like, a great offense yet. And, like, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo was so bad. Like, you're not going to play Jimmy Garoppolo every week. But even still, even still with who they've played, the defense has just been so phenomenal. They've been getting pressure. Like, Randy Gregory, so far, like, it, he looks like worth every penny that the Broncos paid him. He's awesome. And it's nice because with Gregory on that side, it's freeing up Bradley Chubb more. Bradley Chubb's got good pressure. And on the inside, Draymond Jones is generating good pressure. So the pass rush has been solid. The secondary has been good. Pat Sertan is such a stud. He didn't allow a single reception. And Justin Simmons is out right now, but he's going to be coming back from injured reserve in a couple of weeks. And even with Simmons out, Caden Stearns has been fantastic. And even P.J. Locke right now is playing as the third safety, and he forced the fumble that clinched the win. So, like, their secondary depth, particularly at safety, is so good. Like, that's so nice. Even without Justin Simmons, your backup safeties are making plays. You love to see that. And even Ronald Darby, like, he doesn't get talked about because Pat Sertan is such a stud. But Ronald Darby has played really well as the other outside cornerback. So the defense is just so, so promising. And again, like, it's a little bit of a caveat because they haven't played a great offense. But even still, like, if the defense is that good, they can keep you in a game. When you play the Chiefs and the Patrick Mahomes and the Justin Herberts or the Chargers, like, if the defense slows them down a little bit, and if the offense works out some of these kinks, like I said, it, and figure out how to score more than one touchdown a game, like, if the defense shuts down that offense, you got a chance every time. And the special teams, too was excellent. Like, yeah, like you said, we don't want to see him punt every – or we don't want to see him punt 10 times a game. But when you do have to punt, you got a pump punter that's pinning them down in the five-yard line – or inside their own five over and over again. Like that, that forced the safety. That could have been a pick six from Bradley Chubb. So either way, that pinning them deep, that's so good for your defense. And so the last few years, I mean, we've been talking about it ever since this podcast started up, how awful special teams has been. And to kind of totally flip it around, and at least for that game, special teams looks like a huge strength. So if that, if special teams stays a strength, if the defense keeps playing the way they are playing, like I think the offense, they can fix some of these self-inflicted wounds. And then, you know, this could be a real team. Like this could be a team to compete for the division. I think there's some things to hold on to, right? There's some things to hold on to. A lot of the things you're saying, you know, also, as we mentioned, Russell Wilson, turned into like vintage old clutch Russell Wilson at the end <laughs> when you're thinking yep. how the hell do we have a chance to be in this game Russell Wilson made it happen right so there there are some things to cling to but coming up next we're going to talk a little bit more uh, you know John you were talking about the communication between the coach and the quarterback I know the Broncos made some changes within the coaching staff to kind of help that John and I have some takes on that coming up but first our friends over at the huddle.com have their fantasy plays of the week 
This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for week number four. Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson at Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas ranks sixth against quarterbacks, allowing more than 25 fantasy points per game through the first three weeks. One added bonus here is two touchdowns have come on the ground, and the defense has given up 273 yards per game through the air. Three straight contests with at least 23.4 fantasy points is encouraging, especially considering one of those was Ryan Tannehill. Look for Wilson to get back on track this week. Rashad Penny at the Detroit Lions. Penny has rushed for 141 yards at a 4.4 yard per carry clip so far, but no touchdowns have hamstrung his fantasy worth. He has yet to get into double figures in PPR scoring in any game this year, and a now healthy Kenneth Walker cutting into his touches makes this one a tough sell. Enter the Lions to ease some of those fears. Detroit has surrendered the highest rushing touchdown efficiency rate for the position, the most fantasy points per touch, the most PPR points, the most non-PPR points, and the 11th most offensive yards per game to the position through three weeks. If there were ever a time to roll Penny out there, this would be it. Buffalo Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie at Baltimore Ravens. Primarily operating out of the slot, which is a productive role in this offensive design, McKenzie offers weekly consideration in deeper fantasy leagues. Baltimore will have all eyes trained on stopping Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, which frees up McKenzie to operate against solo coverage in space. He could be on the high end of volume from Josh Allen, just like last week. There's still a bit of downside just because of the volume the other receivers see, which obviously cuts into the opportunities. Thanks in large part to the week two destruction from Miami's passing game. Baltimore is the easiest defense to exploit, statistically speaking, for this week. Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tunyon versus the New England Patriots. Still working his way back from last year's torn ACL, Tunyon has no more than 37 yards in each of the first three games. He has not scored, though last week's six reception performance was an encouraging sign. The Patriots have given up a league-high four touchdowns to the position on just 17 receptions, and that's the hope here. Tunyon is merely a flyer for a score and remains a major risk in fantasy lineups. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, so as we mentioned right before the break, Nathaniel Hackett brought in some reinforcements. He brought in help, right? He hired Jerry Rosberg as a senior assistant to help him with game decisions during this week, right? So they made changes within the coaching staff to kind of help ease some of the struggles that we've seen throughout the first few weeks, some of the struggles that Hackett has admitted to, right? I have been watching around the league to kind of see how the communication goes with other teams, uh, teams that are, you know, have more established play callers and, and more established offenses within a system. And you do see that that play seems to come in almost simultaneously with the, with the previous play ending, right? So play ends, boom, the next play's coming in. These, these guys just know, they know what to do next. And uh, there's not a lot of thinking. And I think Hackett did less thinking. He was more on the ball in this game. It can still get better. It's not, was not perfect. Uh, there were times where I thought it was a little slow, but overall it was much better. But you have to wonder how much Jerry Rosberg helped um, him being there. What do you think? H- how should we feel about Hackett hiring somebody to help him uh, with something that he's been struggling with just three weeks into the job, right? What are people saying on Twitter? What are you hearing? Yeah, on Twitter, there's definitely been hot takes. I think, I've seen people 
like saying, well, this is a sign he should have never gotten the job in the first place. Because if, if he can't coach a team, why is he hired as a head coach? And like this reflects poorly on George Payton and all, all kinds of stuff. Like there's been plenty of hot takes of people that view it as a negative just because they think because Nathaniel Hackett can't handle all the head coach duties well, he shouldn't be a head coach in the first place. But I don't really look at it that way because I, I there are examples of very good head coaches like Andy Reid with the Chiefs. He's a great head coach and he's a great offensive mind, but he's not good with clock management. Like he's bad with clock management. And there have been plenty of examples of coaches who have like analysts up in the booth who they lean on for certain scenarios. So it's not like this has never been done before. And like, yeah, it happened two weeks into the season, but I feel like better is late than never. Like I like that Nathaniel Hackett, the first two games, he admitted what he did wrong. And then I like that he was not too proud to take action. And this, this is like a, a way that he can address. Like he's like, I know I screwed up. And then he's like, okay, this is how I can address throwing up. And he's, he's delegating and he's leaning on other people. And I like that. I like that he's humble enough to say like, yeah, okay. In his mind, he's a good offensive coordinator or a good play caller, I should say, and a good offensive mind. But he's struggling to balance, you know, deciding quickly, do we go for it on fourth down? You know, what special teams unit do we send out at, while also calling the play? And through the first two weeks, I think that slowed down the play calling process so much because he was balancing all the other decision makings. And so he brings in this guy who had a similar role, role with the Ravens for many years. And I, I thought on Sunday, like you said, it wasn't perfect, but I thought it was better. I thought Hackett got the plays in faster. I thought the Broncos got up to the line quicker. They didn't have delay of game penalties like they did in the first two weeks. And I think it was in part because Hackett, he had a sense of calm and a sense of relief. I'm guessing, like he didn't flat out say this, but I'm, I'm putting words in that I assume, you know, it takes a little bit of weight off his shoulders. The other game management stuff, he has someone else in his corner that he can lean on and he can focus on the plays. And, you know, that's what he's supposed to be good at. Like he's supposed to be the offensive mind, the offensive play caller. Focus on that and lean on other people to do some other things like that's one of the things that I saw the last few years when we talked about Vic Fangio there were times when he was really bad with his clock management and his game management and I said I was like either give up those roles or lean on people who are there to help you and Fangio I didn't think really did either of those and I think it it led to a lot of problems with Hackett he's now he's willing to lean on other people and I think that's a good thing yes you know I've been pretty hard on Hackett you know, I have been, I've been questioning a lot of the things he's been doing, John, right? I was, I made fun of his opening press conference. I gave him a lot of crap for how he handled the end of uh, the game in week one. I was ripping him last week. I was saying, you know, I actually titled our podcast, Ken Hackett Hackett. <laughs> and I had my little rant about that. So I've been questioning Hackett. You know, we've got, we got a little bit of light chatter on Twitter when, you know, you were posting about the, uh, the podcast and some fans said, Hey guys, it's been only a couple weeks. Like, what are you talking why, why Can you guys hack it? Why don't you calm down a little bit? And for me, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know how you can't question this guy. You, you have to, you have to wonder if he's in over his head. That's, and, and also we do a weekly podcast, John. So we just have to react to what happened in the last game, right? That's what we do. Uh, but I think it's, it's wild to, to think you wouldn't question him. This was actually my favorite thing I've seen from Hackett. All, all season. So since he was hired, this is my favorite thing I've seen from Hackett. When I saw this tweet from Adam Schefter, I wanted to give Hackett a hug. Like, clearly he's been struggling, John. There's been too much on his plate. He, he's never done all this before, right? Never called the plays, never never managed 
three phases of the game, special teams, defense. I mean, he's the game manager. He's never done that. He has to start delegating, right? And I'm not here yet, but I think play calling's on the table next. Like, that could be delegated, too. Like, you don't have to be Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. You don't have to be the head coach that has the play sheet over your face calling the plays. You don't have to be that guy. You know, you don't have to be Sean McVay. You don't have to be Andy Reid. You could just let somebody else call the plays. You could formulate the game plan, let somebody else call the plays, and you manage the game. Like Mike Tomlin, you know, that thing. That's okay, too. Maybe if this continues, it's time to delegate play calling. I'm not there yet. Uh, I want to make that clear. But I think Hackett, recognizing this, John, not having a big head, right? Be, not being too big to say, you know what? I'm struggling here. I need help hiring this guy and and it actually paying a little bit of dividends here, I think, because we saw some improvements. I think that's good. I think it's a good sign. I don't want to you know, crush Hackett for this. I want to praise him for it. I, I loved that Hackett did this. I think it's a good sign. Yeah, we're, we're definitely in agreement. The, our Twitter hot take is that it's a good thing, so everyone else can chill out. Yeah, exactly. You thought I had a hot. You had, you thought I had a scorcher yeah. coming when we came on today, but I didn't. Yeah, I I when I sent the notes to you, I was like, "What do we think about this, Ryan?" Kind of expecting you to take the Twitter approach because, like you said, <laughs> you've been do. hard on yep. Hackett. Yep. So I didn't know, but I I'm glad. I I think it's the reasonable stance to be happy that he's not too proud to do this, and I think it will lead to better results. Yeah, John, I'm. I'm nothing but not fair, as you know. I, I just tell it like it is. You know how it is. So, all right. So, speaking of being fair, um, speaking of telling it like it is, it's Josh McDaniels week. We have to get to Josh McDaniels. You know, John, we can't, our old friend, we, get, we can't miss this. This is going to be fun. So, we're going to spend the whole third segment talking about Josh McDaniels, Broncos, Raiders. That's going to be fun. First, our friends over at the Bet Slippin' Podcast have a bet of the week for you. Check that out. John and I will be right back. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sportsbook provider, Typico Sportsbook, out. All odds are provided by our friends at Typico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, which is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Typico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus. See site for details. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. All right, on to the game. Sunday night football, we have the Bucks versus the Chiefs. The Bucks are three at home against the spread since 2020 as a home underdog and five and one as an underdog in general since adding Brady. Chris Godwin is practicing and Mike Evans will return. Tom Brady in primetime with a sick defense led by an elite secondary while also being an underdog and likely being faded by the public. Give me the Bucks plus 1.5. That was your Typico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, I did kind of chuckle when I was reading our, you know, we were exchanging notes and, and you had, you know, the winless Raiders are considered two and a half point favorites against the Broncos. Is that fair? I actually kind of laughed. Out, I laughed out loud when I saw that. That is interesting. So the, so the Broncos are heading to Vegas. They're two and one. The Raiders are zero and three under Josh McDaniels. Right. And uh, 
the, the Raiders are still favored by two and a half. That is, that just kind of shows you what the public or what, you know, the betting market thinks about the Broncos right now. Yep. And I think it's just what they think of their offense. Cause it's clearly not the defense. The defense played so well and they have played so well. They've allowed the second fewest points in the NFL. I think just the odds makers and people wagering on the games, they just, they have no confidence in the Broncos offense. And, and with the Josh McDaniels element, like, I, I don't know if he's going to get things turned around. I feel like he will. And I'm almost kind of disappointed that the Raiders are 0-3 coming into this game with the Broncos because I always hate that when a team is, like, on a on a slump like that, like a three-game slump, and now they're, like, desperate. Like, they can't afford to start 0-4. Josh McDaniels himself can't start, afford to start 0-4. Like, yes. his, his job security might be in danger if they don't get things turned around pretty quick. So – I don't like that they're going to be a desperate team, and this game is in Las Vegas, so that helps them too. But even with that being the case, I, was, I, I honestly I was a little surprised that they're favorite and they're winless under McDaniel's, and I don't think they've looked that great. But like I said, it they're desperate, and that's what kind of gets me worried. And like with the division game, like a rivalry game, kind of everything goes out the window. Like yeah, maybe on paper. The Broncos are better overall, maybe. Like, certainly not. Their offense hasn't been. But overall, it seems like the Broncos are a better team. But this is the division game. Like, the Raiders know the Broncos. The Broncos know the Raiders. Like, the Raiders, they play the Chiefs. The Chargers, they play the Chiefs. Even if the Raiders aren't having a good year, it seems like they always get up to play the Chiefs. And those games are awesome, are often classic games, even if the Raiders aren't having a great season. So I think it's it's just kind of like that. Even though the Raiders are in a slump right now, they're going to get up to play the Broncos and their backs are up against the wall. So I, I'm not super confident going into this game, but it, it was a little surprising to me. And I think the Josh McDaniels element is a little wrinkle. I think it'll be more interesting later in the season yes. when he comes back to Denver. But uh, that's if he keeps the job that long. If he loses on Sunday to the Broncos, I imagine his seat's going to be pretty hot. Yeah, I think he'll. I think he'll make it to the end of the year. That'd be that'd be wild if he got fired midseason before he makes it back to uh, Denver. Boy, he wouldn't hear the end of that, John. Um, yeah, you stole that from me. I think it's be a lot more fun when Josh comes back to Denver. Uh, but let's like play with this question a little bit more. Like, why are the Raiders favored? It's a good question, right? Now, I think it's because Derek Carr. I mean, well, let's let's put it this way: Derek Carr looks awful. He doesn't look as awful as Jimmy G, John, but he does look awful. Uh, he looks bad. He's got the he's 19th in quarterback rating. I was looking these stats up. He's thrown six touchdowns, four picks, only completing 60% of his passes, which is not good in today's NFL. The Raiders were supposed to be this offensive juggernaut, right? McDaniel's coming in with his offense. Devontae Adams comes over in free agency. He's still got Darren Waller. He's still got Hunter Renfro. Like these pieces just seem to fit in Josh McDaniels' offense so perfectly. And it just hasn't clicked. It hasn't been the case. The Raiders haven't been very good on offense. So back to the Original question, why are the Raiders favored? Was because Derek Carr's beating Russell Wilson in every category. Percentage, yards, touchdowns, QB rating. All of it. All of it. As bad as the Raiders have looked on offense, the Broncos have been way worse. The the only team the Broncos are scoring more points than right now are the Colts. And they're both down there at like 13 points per game. It's horrible. Right? So until we see movement there, until we see improvement of the Broncos, until we see them operating like an NFL offense and not relying on Jimmy G to run out of the back of his own end zone and the defense to do all the work for them until we see real movement. We're going to see the Owen three Raiders being favored by two and a half points over the Broncos, right? It's just not going to change until we see actual movement. Got to see it this week. I don't know how you bet on the Broncos, right? I don't know how you pick the Broncos right now, even, even with the way the Raiders look, 
until we see it improve because we it's we're still waiting. Yeah, yeah. When you put it like that, I think that's very fair. It's just like you said, that's basically exactly what I said last week in this third segment was until we see it, I can't feel confident backing the Broncos because I've said throughout this podcast, like, I think the offense, they can fix these things. I think the offense can get better. But that's all, like, optimism and it's all hypothetical. We haven't seen them click yet. And, like, maybe this will be the week against the Raiders that it kind of all comes together and Russell Wilson throws three touchdown passes and then from then on the offense is rolling the next year, the rest of the year. Like, that would be great. But I think it's fair, like you're saying, we haven't seen it yet. So you can't just back them to just flip a switch this week and suddenly the offense is perfect. So I think that's fair. And uh, this week, like, I I think the Broncos will win, but I'm not going to confidently suggest you back them to win this game because, like you said, we, we just haven't seen it. And, like, the, Ra- the Broncos' defense, yeah, they've been excellent. But I don't know. Maybe they haven't played an offense as good as the Raiders yet. And, you know, if the Raiders – Maybe they score that 21, 24 points against the Broncos defense. That wouldn't be awful. But can our own offense match that? Like, so far, they haven't. So I get where you're coming from. We were so excited about Russell Wilson. The offense was supposed to get better than when we had Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Lockjaw. It was supposed to get better. (laughs) I still think it will. I think it will. Got to give it time. Got to give it time. Hopefully this week we see it. Uh, But, man, just the saddest victory week ever, right, for the Broncos. Two and one and just, just pain. Across the fan base, right? They just, they just, uh, it's, it's we're in like the twilight zone. We can't even believe we're two and one. If you wouldn't know it based on how the fans are reacting to this team right now, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and this I said last week is it's kind of a make or break week for the Broncos last mm-hmm. week, and mm-hmm. I can't say that in back to back weeks. They found but... a way to win. <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah, like it. At some point, the offense has got to turn a corner because you're going to come to a point where you're not playing Jimmy Garoppolo and you're not playing and inept offense like the Raiders they can score points so if, if the Raiders get their first win of the season against you and then you're down to two and two it looks a lot a whole lot worse than two and one and I think some alarm bells are going to start to go off if if the offense starts to get clicking here and, and keep saying over and over like I think they can it's just a matter of this is is this the week we'll find out here coming up just gotta just gotta let's ride John just gotta Let's ride. Just got to keep saying that to yourself. It's so been keep... a bumpy, bumpy ride. <laughs> yeah, it's, been, like, it's been a tough ride. I don't, I don't like riding a Bronco. Yeah. It is not recommended. We've... Like We need to get some yeah. <laughs> some broken-in horses in here and get a smoother ride going, please. My favorite tweet I saw was somebody tweeted, uh, let's sigh. They changed it from let's ride to let's <laughs> sigh watching the Broncos offense. I think it's going to improve. Hopefully it's this week. Uh, for John Heath, always great stuff. Check him out on the Broncos Wire, please. There'll be plenty of stuff going up between the time this pod drops and kickoff. So check that out. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us once more. We'll catch you next week after Raiders Broncos. Catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.